Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Joe Lemon. Thank you so much for tuning back into the Real Value Exchange. So I'm rolling right along with this podcast movement, and there's a lot of things happening, you know, towards this Q2, mid Q2 uh, timeframe, where, you know, it's very easy to get lulled into this uh, comfort zone of things are happening, things are working, business is coming right along. But don't forget, most people uh, start to really check out for the summertime. I mean, that, that's pretty common. So you have that dog days of like summer coming up. So be like cautious to that. And with that said, I got some really good sales heat for people to, today. Um, I have Daniel from Sales Remastered. We really hit it off. Really good energy. And he gave a lot of great value, especially if you're in the trenches on day to day and you have some history that you're trying to, you know, push yourself through in sales or you're trying to get over some over certain hurdles. Man, he gives some really practical, lots of tactical advice, but he also taps into what I think where he's really super strong is around empathy and really understanding, putting yourself in the in the shoes of your actual uh, clients or prospects or even customers. However, whatever label you want to give your friends, he does a good job at allowing you to see it from their side of the table, give them what they need, but still work down the actual sales process. So, oh, I got a, a brand new show sponsor. The show sponsors me. I'm sponsoring myself throughout this one. I got a separate side project that I'm just growing up. It's my baby. Um, it's, it's only two months old, but it's a website. It's a free job board for salespeople, uh, especially if you're a company looking for like independent sales reps. It's really kind of what I'm catering this to. Uh, I know how hard it is to really find good salespeople out there. And I know how valuable they are. If you can really get your hands on one or if you can really build that partnership with somebody and you guys have that mutual exchange, uh, it's very difficult to set that up, but the price is to your business. So I'm trying to create this community around sales culture and that's the name of the website, salesculture.co, where you can go in and you can just create a profile, let people know that, you, that you're out there in the industry if you're an independent rep, let them know what industry you actually operate in, uh, what you're really good at, kind of have that place where people can just kind of find salespeople pretty easily. But if you're a company, you can also post free job um, ads there as well. So that's something that I'm really up to. I really want to get behind this movement. So if you post any jobs, uh, I'm going to keep my eyes open, but feel free to always reach out to me. I'm at joe.lemon at Outlook. Feel free to shoot me over a quick message and say, Joe, I just posted a free job and I'll try to give you some shout outs on the, on the platform. And I would love to hit you up as well and share your story. So I'm trying to get in more into trying to, to push the whole movement of finding good salespeople, connecting with, with good sales leaders like Daniel. That's why I have him on the podcast today. And um, yeah, check it out. Let me know your thoughts. And don't forget to leave an iTunes rating. I'm trying to get more activity on iTunes. It's looking really bleak right now, you know, but I understand I'm just getting started. But go out there and post something. Give it a five star. I know I got one way to go. I know there's a lot. I know there's a lot of improvement to happen. It's coming. Just, just be patient. Stay in there. And so, with that said, I want to dive into the episode with Daniel from Sales Remastered. It begins like this. I'm excited to have this conversation, man, because I've been watching you from afar, and I was like, all right, let me just see some different sales coaches out there. Yep. Just personally for myself, I was like, I want to see um, one who's bringing real. Tactical advice because yeah. I'm in the trenches every day. Yeah, and I've been doing sales for about B to B almost eight years, so I, I I got some good time in the trenches. Um, and really, what I even launched this whole podcast about is because 
I really wanted to, to try to tap into some of those, like, you know, just some of the good things I've done, but the bad and just the pure garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want to talk about the pure garbage stuff I did too. And, yeah. and just kind of dive into that because it's like, look, man, when, once you come out the gate, most of us get in sales because we're trying to get paid. Yeah. And we're like, okay, I tried this, tried this, but I can make money here. <laughs> yeah. Great. We figure that out. And you go in and this mad negative, right? Yeah. So, man, I want to welcome you to the podcast. I have Daniel from Sales Remastered. Thank you so much for being on the pod. Thank you for having me. Well, man, you know, um, so let's just kind of dive into to a little bit about yourself. I want to get into your background, but you're a sales mentor, mindset coach, motivational speaker. You have your old preface of like champions that, that pretty much happens every day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, hip hop. Yes. Head. Yes. To the core, it sounds like. <laughs> yes. And but most importantly for the audience, I think, is that you're an active sales manager. Like you're leading a team right now that's sounds like they're crushing it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I uh, I'm a I'm currently a practitioner mm-hmm. of what I preach and what I share on my channel at Sales Remastered. And I offer a different view because most of the influencers or the resources on these channels are primarily people who haven't done it in a while, or maybe they had studied. There's a lot of old stuff out there. A lot of real dated stuff. Yeah. You know, there's this one uh, influencer who is widely known and I don't want to, you know, drop any names, but <laughs> this influencer, his main goal on a live sales training was, Hey, ask your prospect how much money you got to give me today. I was appalled. Good I was luck. like, man, yeah, good luck. With that. <laughs> yeah. You know, but what was funny though, was that the audience was buying into it because they see the jet. They see the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the fancy studio, the pockets full of money. Mm-hmm. And I think there has to be a movement like the movement you have on your podcast of actually showing sales in a different light, because a lot of individuals, I believe, look at sales. And even some of us listening to this podcast right now in sales have at some point thought their role is kind of uh, like an underdog, like they're they're a nuisance. And right. in all reality, I believe, and, I'm, and I, I think you'll agree, is that sales really is the connection that allowed the economy to get where it's at. It's allowed our business to be where it's at. It'll, it feeds all of us, whether you're in operations or in sales, it's sales that brings a lifeline to that business for you to continue thriving. And so I think that sales needs to be remastered, yeah. <laughs> right, in a sense. That's um, a good name too, man. Yeah. I like you know, that. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's basically, you know, if you if you look up the definition of remastered, you're basically taking the original copy of something and enhancing it. And oddly enough, it's digital. And of course, these videos are all, it's your digital brand, you know? So I really like that that combination. I did call him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't talked to him yet. I left him two voicemails and, I, and an actual email. But okay. yeah. It's all right. Things happen, man, you know? We'll make it work. <laughs> yeah. I can edit all this, so we're all good. Yeah. Cool, cool. I mean, man, but, um, so, all right. I, I definitely understand what you're up to, and I, I definitely think that is it is uh, needed that we need to have some fresh content out there. Because I think that how, you, how we sold during the, you know, 70s, I wasn't selling them, but how, <laughs> how things yeah. were kind of moved forward during the 70s, even during the early 90s has been a shift, especially when you start bringing in social media, you start bringing in the amount of transparency, the amount of data that's out there. I mean, the, most of our most of our clients have so much more knowledge about our industries, whatever industry you're in, um, it's mind blowing to me. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah. Access to information is, is insane right now. Yep. Um, and that's what I think social media enables us to do. But 
also in the same breath, because it has so much of a reach, it shows a lot of us as professionals who really want to kind of make something and use sales as a platform to build for our family. Mm -hmm. it, it, it also shows us the bad side of it too. Kind of like how movies like uh, Boiler Room or <laughs> right, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross showed you the bad side of sales. Yeah. And that's kind of the media's uh, input on sales. They look at you as someone who's going to give them something they don't need. Right. And I think that was our reference point coming in because I've been in sales literally since a little kid. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because the way All right, I grew so up, this is this yeah. right, very the perfect segue because I want to dive into your yeah. whole history as well. Yeah. I, I really like to know how you came up as a kid and everything sure. else. So keep on going with that. Sure. I'm sorry. I mean, no worries. Jump in. So, um, you know, I grew up in, in Long Beach, California. Grew up on Cali the West. Right. Okay. Yeah, grew up on the West Side. Yeah. Uh, West Side is more predominantly like uh, Filipino based. And, okay. And, you know, I, 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 did not grow up with my mom and dad. My mom passed when I was a year and a half old. Wow. And so my dad, instead of raising me, he, he let my mom's brother raise me. And so I kind of grew up, you know, from a young age, calling them mom and dad. And, um, I remember learning from my neighbors that, you know, they were laughing cause I was saying that, you know, I was calling my uncle and my auntie, mommy and daddy mm -hmm. as a kid. And they were laughing at me. And I remember, and I remember finding out why they're laughing at me is because they knew that that wasn't my mom and dad, wow. you know? And so growing up with that, with that realization. And Were they older than you or, 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 or like, oh, they're, yeah, age? they're all older than me. Yeah. Um, my, my, my cousins who I, at the time, of course, was under the pressure of my brothers and sisters the whole time, um, were like a good 10 years older than me. So okay. I, was, I was always kind of the baby of the bunch. And, um, and so growing up in this environment where, you know, you live from family member to family member, you're, you know, I know that the family who took care of you, they didn't intend to, but there are subtle ways to remind you that this is not their job, right? Like you're not even my kid, right? Go ask your dad for it. Wow. And so in order for me to get the things that I needed to get, I needed to actually learn how to sell, <laughs> right? At a young age. At a very young age. Yeah. Um, wow. Because it wasn't like I could just ask for something. They, I was already getting a favor to begin with. That makes sense. And so you, I was, I came up in a culture, a Filipino culture too, because I'm Filipino. Um, it's our culture to respect your elders. And so the last thing you want to do as a kid coming up is, you know, upset an elder. Right. And so like, but imagine as a kid, you want things, you want toys, you want money to go buy comic books and stuff. And so I learned different ways to, to not only kind of communicate with elders to, to, to persuade them to get the response that I wanted. But I also learned different ways to hustle and, and generate money um, from selling toys to cards to pogs. You know, I was that kid. How old was, were you once you were doing this? Babe? Yeah, I was about 12 years old. Jeez. Uh, 12 years old when I started actually putting two and two together because I used to get uh, lunch tickets. Okay. Yeah. And I used to get a nutrition ticket and a lunch ticket. Okay. And so I never ate in the morning. I still don't. And I would hustle my nutrition ticket for 50 cents. Right. And then what would happen is sometimes because when, I, when I was growing up, like I lived with my dad for a year, and this is in Carson. And, uh, and I never wanted to go home because my dad was a, a car dealer. He was a casino car dealer. So like he went to work at 2 PM, but didn't come home until midnight. Right. And his wife, which is my stepmom, like hated me for some reason, just hated my guts. And she would always say rude things and whatnot. So I kind of stayed away from her. Uh, anyways, I was in the street most of the time because my, my stepmom didn't go to work until 9 p.m. So they had weird schedules, right? Oh, so so you, she was home all day. So you had the whole night to yourself as yeah, a kid? Yeah, oh, I lived oh, in the Lama Mall. 
You know, I lived <laughs> on the Torrance uh, bus line. You know, I was going everywhere as a kid and I had to have money, you yeah. know, and so I would I would I would flip uh, lunch tickets to get pogs, pogs to get more money and then have enough money to pit, play Mortal Kombat at Aladdin's castle all day. <laughs> you know, th- that, those were my memories of coming up. And, um, you know, at the time I didn't know it, I, you know, I didn't know it, what I was doing was hustling or selling. I just knew, I just saw the result that I needed, which was to have enough money to last me until nine o'clock that night. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't got nothing else to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I actually had a blood sister who lived right down the way. So I used to hang out with my nephews. They were actually like my little brothers, but my sister again would remind me like, Hey, you're here too many times. You're eating all our food, you know? So even getting pushed out that way, you really have anywhere to go. And Carson, Carson's a pretty bad area, you know, for being 12, 13 years old, hanging out on the streets, mm-hmm. you know. And so I learned different ways of, of not only reading the streets, but reading body language. Mm-hmm. And so all of this emotional intelligence was kind of fused into my lifestyle because I had to survive. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to kind of get to that next level in just a different way. And now I'm, I'm sharing with anyone and everyone that it's it's actually how we communicate is how we get what we want. It's just a matter of how creative you can get to communicate that message, you know? And so now I'm just, so that is just on a different level because it's not your traditional sales, right? Right. Your traditional sales influencer today is more interested about selling you a gizmo or an application or a software. And what, what I bring to the table is actual mindset development is reminding us that it's just us, right? So we communicate and sell ourselves before we sell anybody else. 100%. The sale actually starts within your own mindset. And, and, and because it's rooted from there, the momentum of that message is not going to affect the, the recipient as well if you didn't have the right intention, if you didn't have the right mindset. And I had to learn that from, from an early age because I, 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 I avoided a lot of trouble. You know, I sold myself out of a ton of situations. I'm, getting you know, you know what, man, I was just going to ask you that because I could imagine being 12. I started going out pretty early compared to most of my, most of my friends around me just because both of my parents were super liberal. They were like, oh yeah, just, you know what I mean? Like I have, I had those type of friends, yeah. like let you do whatever. So I, I used to run around with people who would, who would just be outside because they had nowhere else to go really. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I really could have went home. But they really didn't want to go home. And so I had a chance to kind of experience a lot of different, lots of different feedback from different people. But I would love to hear how maybe you were kind of selling yourself back then to other people to kind of avoid some of those tough type of setups, right? I mean, because I think that right there is like, um, it translates so crazy to how things operate today. But I'll let you go. So like, for example, um, you know, growing up in Long Beach, Mm Has it changed uh, a lot? You know, yeah, it yeah, has. Yeah, yeah. It has. Um, it's not necessarily so gang affiliated anymore. Okay. It's really just about kind of, you know, the image of hustling and money. Um, you know, at least from what I understand, I'm not really knee deep in the streets anymore. Yeah. But from what I from what I gather from seeing the younger generation, I think they are more entrepreneurial spirit. Like, but but the problem is they want the result. They don't want they don't want to partake in the actions to get the result, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a different chapter, but you know, growing up in Long Beach, I thought the word cuh was literally, you know, that, that was part of my lingo, right? Like every, everything was suck up, hey, yeah. cuh, you yeah. know, that was just my lingo. Right. And when I moved to Carson, um, Carson's predominantly Bloods area, you know, so there's a lot of Samoans. And I remember 
I remember saying in school, like, hey, cuh, what's up, cuh? You know, and, and I didn't know mm-hmm. that that, because I was still so young, that mm-hmm. that had to do with How old were you at this time? I was uh, 11 years old. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And so um, saying it to this one um, Samoan kid, in, 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 uh, in, I, it was about seventh grade. And this kid, you know, he's a blood, he's in the blood gang already. Um, and it looked like he probably a couple years because he was the biggest kid in the classroom sure. he came out he saw you know he was telling me he's all you know f crips you know it's a blood gang and i didn't know what he was talking about because i'm still young and i'm like what i didn't get it mm-hmm. and you you learn from that experience of how to sell yourself out of dangerous situations right so that was probably my very first experience of understanding the power of words yeah right like the because we have an anchor or we believe, you know, we don't understand the power of the words that we say sometimes, even though it may be naturally coming out. I think also the same applies to sales. We may be naturally asking a specific way, but the power of your words is what's going to actually determine their reaction. Mm -hmm. And so that, that determined his reaction because of a simple word cut. But now if we look at it from a different perspective, how did that word affect that person so strongly it was a sound, right? Mm-hmm. And so now I put two and two together. I'm okay. There are triggers, right? Like th- that's a trigger word. I, I I painted his vision red by that one sound. And so I put two and two together. I'm like, okay. Well, how could I do it opposite? You know, the opposite way. How can I create words that triggers a positive reaction? Emotional yeah, intelligence, emotion, emotional intelligence. Yeah. You know. And so this is all at a very young age. Wow. And uh, you know, from and then. I got, unfortunately, I was, I had bad influence. My brothers, my older brothers, blood brothers were actually in a street gang. Um, and they, they actually led both, both sides of a, of a notorious street gang, Long Beach. And so I had real negative influences around me, um, who took care of me because I was their younger brother, um, who hooked me up because I was their younger brother. Sure. Right. And who connected me because I was that person's younger brother. And real quickly, I got into, you know, real bad stuff. And I got to a period where I was living from motel to motel. You know, I had straps on me. I had scales on me. I had mm-hmm. bags. I was, I was really living that life. And it got to a point where one person who I, who I was willing to die for, because that was the cool thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to die for you, you know. You become so emotionally invested for this one cause and you're young. You don't know what that one cause is yet, but it's right. cool. But you're fired up though. <laughs> yeah, but you're fired up, right? <laughs> and it's just a lot of aggression because yeah. you don't know where else to point it, right? Mm-hmm. And so that person ended up turning on me wow. and holding me at gunpoint wow. for some money, for, for drugs. And when I, when I got to that point where it's like, man, I thought I would have trusted this person with my life. This is really how it is. It's not about the relationship. It's all about themselves. You know, it really woke me up. And, um, you know, I went through a series of bad decisions. But from those lessons, I wouldn't change anything that I went through because it developed the experience and knowledge I had. So even though I had to grow up faster than your normal teenager, right, or up and comer, I am thankful that I had to grow up faster because I was able to prevail faster as well. Right. So through right. my losses, through my defeats, through my scares, I created a bridge that kind of uh, escalated or, or at least expedited my process to getting to a successful level. Um, and I got to a successful level when I hit sales, <laughs> you know, and then when I actually started doing sales professionally. Yeah. You know, and I did it all through call center, you know, which is a different game all in itself. It is a different it game, phone. man. Yeah. Man, you know, um, dude, I think this is going to be one of the best episodes, man. <laughs> Just because... <laughs> yes. You have such a, um, you have such, um, a very tangible way 
about going through life that obviously you're not talking about something that you read about, which is right. one way to kind of experience life. Sure. Something totally different when you're like, man, I'm here by myself and no one, and no one's feeling me and you have to grow from that. Yep. That's a totally different learning yeah. experience. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, but you've obviously grown from it like, yeah. like crazy, man. Yeah. So, all right. You are, you just start talking about cold calling and yeah. working in like call centers. That's yeah. a tough, tough gig for a lot of people. Yep. I mean, um, a lot of people like to say, Cold calling's dead. Yep. <laughs> What's your thoughts on that, though, man? I'm, I, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Cold, the 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 impression of cold calling is is dead, and it should be dead because well, the original cold call is when you contacted someone without any knowledge of that person you're contacting. That's a cold call, mm-hmm. or contacting someone who's not in the market to buy your one thing. That's a cold call. Whereas in today's society, you're you're better prepared because you can study your prospect. You can actually get a glimpse of what kind of person your prospect is. And I think that if, you know, because there's a certain way to cold call. There's two ways. There's one way to cold call where you're just dialing numbers, dialing numbers, dialing numbers. Right? Yep. That's how I did it. And then right. That's how I did it too. You know? we, <laughs> yeah, we had paper sheets. Like 120 you know? a day. Like, yeah. You know? yeah. And you had a color code. So if you highlighted in yellow, it <laughs> right. means you left the message. Right. But that was your system, you yeah. know? And, uh, and you kind of just went at it blindly because we didn't have the internet, you know, we didn't have CRMs. I remember my first cold call cube, it had no computer to it. There was no computer screen, right? It was just a phone and and piece of paper. Excel sheets, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So you learn, you learn in that way. But then as you develop and you, you become a little bit more alert of the resources around you, like social media, like LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. like I can, I can get Intel on the person that I'm prospecting. Yeah. And so let's let's take it to my industry, which happens to be mortgage banking. We have kind of this X-ray of a person's property profile, so I can tell when you bought the home, you yeah. know your name, who's on title, and things like that. And so now I have all this information that positions me to fuse in a better script to cold call. But um, you know, doing sales over the phone is a little bit different from doing it in person, of course, because you know anyone can hang up on you, anyone can give you an excuse that they're going into a meeting, but you know, they just want to get you off the phone. So it was a different sale. Um, you know, it was definitely a difficult sale to learn, but I think that with technology, all most businesses are going to focus more towards the call center because mm-hmm. it's a little bit more efficient. You can have call centers everywhere. Sure. Yeah. Know? And, uh, and how old were you at the time? Uh, getting into real estate, I was 20 years old. Well, I mean, as far as doing um, cold call, cold call, yeah, 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 as early as uh, 17. Wow, yeah, okay, 16, 17 years old. All right, so let me try to just kind of piece it together here. Sure. So you had that tough issues where you were kind of going around mm-hmm. hard times a little bit, and then you transitioned to something as brutal as getting, you know, at least. 80% turndowns. Yeah. Right. At yeah. least over the phone. I mean, yeah. if you're great on the phone, you can get yeah. like a, you know, maybe a little bit higher percentage, but most people don't get through to 80% of the people. I wouldn't say. Oh yeah. 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 yeah I used to, it was funny. I used to, um, yeah. one of my first telemarketing jobs was calling to raise money for dare. Okay. You remember that yeah, old yeah, school, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, keep kids away from That's drugs. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was funny. On drugs. I was one of the persons on drugs at the time, wow. you know, and I was, I was living that life that I'm trying to sell people to, you know, invest money to avoid. And so you're basically cold calling a bunch of people yeah. asking for them to donate. Yeah. And, um, I had this, uh, you know, I look for number one, I learned a lot because you're rejected a lot. Yeah. No one, you know, wanted to give money to someone. How do you deal with that as like a 17 year old who just kind of left a hard, yeah. a very tough situation? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I turned it to a game. 
you know, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I gamified, I gamified it. And yeah. so, and so the, I actually probably owe it to the, uh, team lead at the time because he dissected his team into two teams and put them against each other. And then, and then just constantly treated it like a game. And so like, Hey, this person raised $50, you know, first one, a hundred dollars gets to leave for the day. And so then it became a challenge, right? Like, okay, sure. let me see, you know? And then, and then that camaraderie kind of built up where like you almost walked in and be like, hey, I'm gonna get $200 today, you know? And, and, but that was just where your attention went. And when your attention was focused on gamifying it or making it to a game, mm-hmm. it wasn't any longer a grind, right? It was more or less like, you know, I don't know why that maybe it was a competitive spirit of mine, but you wanted to always be the top person. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you so like I think a lot of salespeople struggle with the fact that we view their job or what they're selling as a grind. They're like, man, I'm grinding. I'm going in so I can make my calls. Like I have these meetings and everybody knows it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I get to always tell whenever someone's viewing their job as. I'm punching the clock because I got to get this done. I need to get up out of here. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean yeah. normally you can smell it or you can sense it. Yeah. Um, so how do you kind of help people like get out of that grind type of, um, you know, negative grind sure. type of mentality now? Yeah. yeah. So in order to, I, my, you know, cause I, I get into those, those states as well. Yeah. You yeah, know, um, what I do for work, you know, I live in a sales environment and of course in a sales environment, you're only as good as what you brought to the table that day, right? No one cares about the reward you got last month. No one cares that you were, you know, in president's club the two months ago. And so it's just constant reset. And of course that can beat you up because you're like, man, I, you know, I haven't had the results that I wanted in like a week or two weeks or what have you. Or you believe that, oh man, I should be farther than where I am right now. And I think the number one, the main culprit is the focus is internal. So the focus is, is what am I getting out of this versus, you know, how can I actually help somebody, right? Like, how can I utilize my position to genuinely help somebody? And, and it's a weird thing because you, you look at it as a salesman, like, you know, we, we are a commission lifestyle. Yep. So we only get what we give. Right. And so we, we are constantly in this, in this, in this view of, well, if I do this, what am I going to get at? hundred percent. makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. we look at like our immediate return, yeah. but when we learn how to develop the mindset of, of seeing us as building a foundation yeah. and looking at it as well, repetition is key. And what you're doing now is for the greater cause because you're going to build your brand. You're going to build your recognition, but more importantly, you're going to fail more. So what you're going through at that time, it's, it's, it's the reason why a lot of us don't get into sales. Right. But if we can figure out a way to dig ourselves out of that, you're going to experience why everyone loves being in sales. Mm -hmm. It's because of that high commission rip, or it's because of that tier. It's because of that sense of freedom, that security. But in order to get to that destination, we need to be prepared to go through what's required to reach that destination. And so if we have the audacity to want the fruits of the, of, or the rewards and the results of, of, of top producer, you know, you want that gaudy watch, yep. you want that six figure bank account balance. You want that nice house and that nice zip code. Well, if you want that, you need to be prepared to experience the lows. And when you're at your lows, you need to remind yourself, Hey, I'm on my way. And so I think it all comes that back down to mindset. And it is a challenge because you got to be like, well, you know, you have to be wanting to give. 
And, and the problem with that is, though, is because of our perception. Well, if I give, I give so much and I'm not getting a return. What's my point of giving? And really the point I'm giving is because as you give and you don't get any return, all you're doing is mounting up your experience. And so what you believe are losses are actually your stepping stones to get that much closer to that win. Yeah. And when you get that win, you appreciate it so much so that you're going to remember how you got that win. And when you keep getting those wins, you get addicted to the result. And what I have found is that when you get to that low, when you get to that state of like, man, I don't want to do this no more. I'm not getting no return. You really have to peel back your own layers of your why, right? Yeah, like, yeah, why yeah. are you there? Are you there just to, you know, get that one rip on that exit at that at the end of that particular month? Or are you there to actually build something, right? Like you, when you think of your why, some people, so, so people who are listening to this right now are at different levels of their life. Some people are trying to get out of their parents' house. Some people are trying to get to their first car. Some people just want to get to that house, right? And so wherever you are, you have to remember your why. So if you want that new car or if you want that balance, why? Right. And so you dig a little bit deeper and you find out, well, you want that car. You want that balance because you want that status. Well, why do you want that status? Well, you want that status because you don't want to let your mom and dad down. You don't want to let your family down. You don't want to let right that significant other down. And then you dig deeper than that. Well, why don't you want to let them down? It's because of love. Mm. Right. Like I, I love that person so much. I need them to know that I'm their rock. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I fuse that to being the rock of my kids wow. and being the rock of my of my wife, being the rock of my household. Mm -hmm. And so what actually fuels me and keeps me out of that mindset is fear. It's fear of the alternative. It's fear of me not being able to protect that love, that rock. Right. And so now it's beyond having a bad day at cold calls. Now it's beyond just having a bad month. Really what it's about is I'm going to break past this bad week. I'm going to break past that, that temptation of not wanting to do those extra calls and not wanting to do this ever again. And I'm going to remind myself that if, if I'm willing to give up that easy, then I don't really love being the core that much. You see what I'm saying? So it's, it's almost like, well, okay, well, you know, how do I remember to do all these things when you're in the heat of the passion? Because sure. it's so easy. Yeah, it's really easy. It's so easy. Yeah, it's, it's especially, so easy. Especially with the fact that a lot of salespeople rely on their egos yeah. just to be able to kind of make things happen. Like, yeah. I mean, that's the only way you can roll up on somebody and say, hey, how much money do you got in your wallet? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's yeah. a pure ego yeah. play, you yeah. know? Yeah. But, um, but what you're talking about is something way deeper. You're yeah. talking about between, I mean, most choices, I feel like, come down to those two. Yeah. You're either about the love or you're about fear and everything else that comes with it, you yes. know? Yes. So, I mean... How do you kind of yeah. break that down for yourself? Yeah, yeah so one of the uh, best lessons that I ever I learned from my mentor, it, from an earlier mentor in coming up in the real estate game, was that you need to understand three things about, about that person you're trying to sell. <laughs> you need to understand what they love, what they fear, and what they perceive as, as need to survive, right, to protect their status. And I, I, man, blew my mind, right? Because I was so young. I was like, oh, that makes sense. So if I found out what that person loves, I can persuade them to yeah. follow me. If I found out what they feared, I could persuade that person to follow me. Mm -hmm. If I knew what they believed they needed to survive and protect their status, they'll follow me. And so then I started applying to myself, right? Like, okay, well, what's the main reasons as to why I wake up extra early, right? What's the main reasons why I look forward to a 12 days worth, of, you know, 12 hours worth of hustle and, and how that time flies by actually how I can, I can have fun in that type of stressful environment. And what it comes down to is that is because I understand that 
It's my bridge to get to what I love. It's my bridge to avoid what I fear. And it's my bridge to survive. Right. So now it's just those cores. And so everyone's love, fear and survival components are going to be different. Right. Like I got kids. Some people listen and may not have kids. And so they got to get creative and say, OK, what am I willing to protect? <laughs> right. And, and, and so the, that's where it comes down is the alternative is saying, OK, you have a choice. Like even if it's just you and your pet dog or your pet cat. Right. Like you got more than what you believe. Don't focus on that. Focus on where you're going. And if you can focus on the result or the destination that you have ahead, naturally, you're going to do the actions that are needed to reach that destination. But at the same time, you can also imagine or dream about that destination and choose not to take the actions to reach that destination. But what I found is that if you dream and just always imagine that destination without taking actions, we become resentful to ourselves because we never reach that destination. We never experience it. And so every day we're telling ourselves, oh, but I want this instead. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Oh, I want that. Yeah. I mean, man, it is so tough. Um, I feel like especially if you came out on the wrong foot and you weren't able to find some quick wins early. In your actual um, careers, or just life overall, period. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like whether okay. you're just 20 something and then you still don't have anybody who, who actually wants to date you, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that looks like, I, it's difficult for a lot of people to kind of overcome that. Yes. Once they have a, that type of, that amount of like scar tissue built up. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, you mind talking about that a little bit, man? Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I, I guess coming into an environment like, like when I got into real estate, I was, um, I was at a low. Right, real lows. Actually, um, about to get shipped out to the military. This wow. is in the year two thousand. Okay, right? I was twenty years old, yeah. and this is right before nine eleven happened. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and so this is the earlier part of that year, and I was actually supposed to be shipped out to the military because I came to an end of a road where I was just done. This is around the time where actually, you know, one of my friends had pulled a gun on me, or what I believed was my friend, and and I, and I just figured out like, you know what, I got to change my life. So I went back to my cousin begged her to live with them to get out of that scenery because environment plays a pretty big role with how you think, how you act, how you see things. It's huge. huge. And so, and so I understood that if I can, if I can remove myself from this environment and put myself in a better environment, which was my cousin, then I can focus on myself and that's exactly what happened. And so she agreed on, on the condition that I was going to the military. So I got enrolled. I went everything except being sworn in. I went through everything. And, and, uh, but the, they wouldn't ship me out because I had a record. And so I had to clear and, and at least settle my record. I actually got arrested at the Block of Orange. Wow. I came out of uh, Sam Goody's with a bag full of uh, cartons of cigarettes, CDs, gift cards that I was buying off of, you know, stolen credit cards. Like mm-hmm. I was just in that life. I was yeah. in a real bad state. And, um, and so I got arrested and they found, you know, scales or what have you. So I had to clear up my record before I shipped out. I couldn't go out with an open record. In the interim of going through what I had to do to clear my record, I got a job as a telemarketer in real estate. Now, mind you, at this time, I'm still in it about that life. I'm still a little bit thugged out. Right? Yeah, yeah, my, yeah. It's in my lingo. Sure. It's the way I act, the way I talk, the way I walk. More importantly, the way I dress. Mm-hmm. And so when I got this job into telemarketing in real estate, I went to Irvine. Now, mind you, Irvine, South Orange County versus L.A. are two 
just stressing. Just, yeah. She went, oh my God. And so I don't know much about the whole landscape yet, but I mean, I've been through enough times to say, oh, this is different. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is different. Yeah. Right? Like, whoa, there are nicer cars around sure. here. Streets are clean. Palm they're big. Better. Yeah. Manicure streets. Yeah. 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 Cleaner air. Yeah. And so you yeah. come into this environment and, uh, you know, and, and, and the way I'm dressed, I knew I was the underdog and that was the challenge because I wasn't like anyone around me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had a big head, I had earrings and I wore baggy clothes because that was cool at the time. Yeah, Everyone else around there were, were older people. You know, they're more professional. They're going to college. And and so I kind of stuck out as a sore thumb. And so I had a lot of pinned up aggression inside. Right. Sure, yeah. Because I was like, hey, the, I, I believed at the time that these people around me thought that they were better than me. And I and I was so fused up in their point of view that I wasn't even focused on my own point of view. And so I learned a lot from that because I wasted a lot of time being mad at people that I was 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 thinking that they didn't they didn't believe in me, that they doubt. But I created that, though. Right. And I'm not saying I would take it back because I learned from it. I learned from these. It's a false narrative that people create, though. Yes. And I found out that it's so common. Right. And that's just why people don't speak up. And um, and so and so anyway. Coming into this realm, I started learning that these people are actually not that way. Mm-hmm. And again, that goes back to environment, because in, in Long Beach, like you just thought everyone was against you. Oh. You looked at cars and you you wanted you were always thinking that someone was going to roll their window down and mm-hmm. probably sweat you or shoot at you. Mm-hmm. And you were always in this defensive state. Well, when I went to Orange County, just a different environment. It, it was not that way. It was almost like, whoa, it, you know, like I got to guard myself, but no one's on that in that lifestyle. No one's in that mindset. Nobody's on attack mode. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, you start letting down your guard and then you start actually absorbing the lessons from those around you in that better state, in that better environment. And so but it was a challenge because, you know, you, you're, you're being brought up in this mindset of like, it's just me against the world. And when you get put by people who are not like that and they're just on a different wavelength, you actually can push yourself away from winning because you're caught up in your own mind. And it took me a while to learn from it. But how I learned from it was was I again, I, you know, being all about you against the world, I naturally was competitive. So I wanted to naturally beat every single person around me. Can't fight it again. Can't fight it again. Yeah, yeah. Like if you can get three sales, I can get six. Right. And so as telemarketers, as the telemarketing game, yeah. what the hardest thing about it was to get a social security number. You know, because you're a telemarketer, you got to call people who weren't expecting your call, talk yeah. to them, and then at the end of the conversation, get their social security number, their date of birth. And that was usually the block that everyone had problems with. That was the holy grail, I'm sure. Yeah, that was yeah. The holy grail. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it was so difficult that the manager would give uh, the person who hit four social security numbers, the okay to go home and get paid for that full day. Mm-hmm. Well, you told me that like now, you know what I mean? Like I'm gonna go, go outside <laughs> and play. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I was, I was naturally, I, I got real good at getting them to give me their social, which everyone thought was the most challenging thing. But me, you know, being the tough guy that I was, I was like, yep, I got it. And I would just walk out. But then they put spotlight on me where they actually, you know, you got better service. You got better treatment. You were almost looked at in a different light because you had the answer. And man, I like that. You got the love. Yeah, you got the love. And this is something that I was actually looking for was people to love. This is why I was willing to die for that person because I wanted that love. I wanted that acceptance. And I felt they gave me that acceptance. 
And so when I found out that I don't need to be willing to die for somebody in order for them to give me their acceptance, I just need to know how to do something that they also want to know how to do. Wow. And now you position yourself as like, okay, well, let me see what else I could do with this. Mm -hmm. And so then they, they put me into a team lead and, and within six months I got promoted to a loan officer because it, you know, when I realized that the environment played a role and, 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 and then I, and then I realized that there are different environments, right? There's the environment of the telemarketer. And then there's the next environment that those telemarketers want to grow to, which was sales, mm -hmm. right? It, it was a different environment. So you're always thriving for the better environment. It, it, in all reality, like the reason why you, you know, whether you did bad activities to get cash is because you were thriving for that better alternative of not having cash, yeah. of not having money, of not having the resources or the ability to get what you want is because you don't want to be in that state. And so getting into kind of on a, on a higher level in a better surrounded area, I was able to find that I can, I can actually control that. And so moving from the telemarketer to the next environment, which was loan officers, which is the sales. I remember seeing, remember being in the telemarketing department, these guys would walk by and they were treated like gods, you know, cause they were the, they were the ones that were making $20,000. I can't lie, man. That's what really got me into sales. It's just that people would, you would walk into a building and they'd be like, that's the guy yep. who actually closed X, Y, Z. And you knew everybody was kind of, you know, almost kind of chatting about yeah. you a little bit. That's yeah. what really drew me to keep up going. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And yeah. It, that's, that's <laughs> really, I mean, in, in all reality, yeah. that's actually what, what, what uh, inspired me. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be that dude, you know, yeah, I wanted to be the one that said, oh man, this is the guy that made 30 grand last month. This is the guy that made 50 grand last month. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, I just made two grand last month. Like, man, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, I'll be happy with just with eight, yeah, you know, just yeah. uh, but just knowing that it could be done and knowing that I was headed in that direction. Um, you know, I, I still mind you, this is very quick. So I'm I'm the kid that didn't want to tuck in their shirt. You know what I mean? Like I was I was the one who they had a dress code, but I, I didn't fit that dress code. Mm -hmm. You know, I was wearing case Swisses and people were wearing, you know, um, business shoes. And anyway, they they wanted to turn me into a loan officer, but my appearance was not that of a traditional loan officer. Sure. So this is where I got my, one of my, other, my one of my original mentors. Uh, his name is Milton. And man, I love this guy. He's, every time he, he sold a deal, he'd be like, man, call me Milton Bradley because I got all the game. <laughs> and, and uh, Talk and, about your mentor yeah. a little bit, though. Man. I, think yeah. because, look, I think everybody needs somebody yeah. that they can look at and say, oh, okay, there's some pieces of life that you want to take. Yeah. I've been married for about eight years now. I lost about three different rings, but I got some more of the house. <laughs> but, yeah. but it's like, I feel like I don't care what role you're in. Yeah. If you're if you're striving for something greater, you need something or a group of people or um, just something that you got to have in your life that's like tangible for you. Yeah. That you can say, oh, this guy gets it, or, or that girl gets it, and I want to try to pull something from them. So you want to talk about yeah, a little yeah, bit? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, you know, it's a great question. It's a great point because I think that you know one lesson that we could take away from you know this this episode is understanding that when you get to the top of your environment, like your circle of three or four people, mm -hmm. your clique or your group, and you get to the top where you're the smartest or you're the successful one, it's unfortunate, but you've got to expand now your group, right? You've got to, yeah, you have to surround yeah. yourself by people who have done more than what you've done. Otherwise, you're just going to remain stagnant and you're just going to kind of get content. You're going to get settled, right? Because you're the most successful one in your group. And this, this unknowingly kind of holds a lot of us back because this is why we don't want to step outside of our comfort zone is because outside of our comfort zone is where we're not the leader of our group, <laughs> right? And so um, that's on the deep psychological level. 
But when, what do you know, to answer your question, like the reason, what mentor, how to find a mentor, why I was first chosen by this mentor is because I, I reminded Milton, Milton was from Long Beach too. Okay. Milton was like, man, you remind me a lot of my nephews, right? And uh, you remind me a lot of them and, and they're just knuckleheads, you know? And, uh, you know, he, he learned a little bit of my background, we yeah. related because we're both from the same city. And I told him what I was going through and, and the recent changes I went through and he respected that. And I think fate sometimes puts you in positions where you want to go because I needed to get to somewhere, which was, which was to a better state of my life. Cause I also learned I was having a child, mm. right? So, How so old? I, uh, 20 years old. 20 years old. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I knew I was, I was having child. I'll be a leader. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that was the whole thing of the military also is that if you go, if you enroll, you actually get paid more if you're married and you have kids. Yeah. Right. So we, I, we literally rushed to get married anyway, not to sw sway to the point no, or off the subject. That's a good point though, man. Yeah. yeah you know, you, but, but you, you kind of go on this road, but that was the main motive was like, um, you know, Hey, how do I get to a better, how do I get to a better state? Because I need to do this for that one thing. And that one thing at the time was because I was about to have a baby. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was my core. That was, that was what the fear of not being able to provide the life for my child and, and the fear of having my child go through what I went through. That, mo that was enough motivation for me. And so, you know, I, I, Milton learned this and, and he kind of brought me under his wing, um, told me, you know, certain things of how to sell. He told me how to, he, one of the strongest lessons he taught me was how to sell based on the fear of not, not buying, you know, and that was powerful because a lot of people at the time was selling why they should buy right. the benefits. Right. Well, well he put it in perspective because we're selling a different, a different thing. Like we, we're selling rates that were way higher than your normal competitor. We're, we're, um, we're selling adjustable rates, which at the time were very risky. It's still is risky. Yeah. Yeah. It just has this negative um, uh, stigma about it, but that was our core product and our fees were very high, right? Our rates were very high. And this is a subprime lender that got shut down for predatory lending. Oh. Right. And so I didn't know, we didn't know it. I didn't know at the time I was still young and I just knew that I needed to do A, B and C to get X, Y, and Z. Take care of the family. Right? Exactly. Take care of the family. Right. Yeah. So you didn't necessarily know that you were probably doing bad, but everyone was, was taking it. So, you know, I had a lot of problems coming up because I always had that kind of mindset of people don't believe in me. People don't like me. You know, I'm not like them. Um, and I always kind of felt this constant pressure of wanting to prove myself. While that was an advantage, he shared with me, you got to use that, continue using that. But instead of being mad or wanting to show aggression towards somebody, use it as, 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 as fuel as to like, Hey, if they can do it, I can do it even better. Mm -hmm. And so he helped me develop the mindset and put it in a more professional perspective. Cause he was an older dude and uh, man, I loved his style, man. He reminded me a lot of my dad. My dad uh, was always like G'd up, like just GQ, you know, mm -hmm. like he mm -hmm. creased his pants. You know what I mean? <laughs> like my dad creased his shirt and Milton was just like that. He was the smoothest dress cat. He was uh, man, I love, you know, I, I couldn't find him. I looked him up on LinkedIn, probably retired already, you know, sure. um, but you remember these episodes throughout your life of people who, because we've all had mentors. We just didn't know that they were mentoring us. Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah. And uh, I had a lot of positive and a lot of negative mentors. And because of the media and the age that I was in and, and hip-hop music, right, or just the kind of the environment that I was in, I gravitated more towards the negative mentors mm -hmm. because that was the cool thing to do. You know, to me, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Like, I was, I was talking to this artist last week and... um you know, it's funny how the power of this music overall impacts culture, right? Mm -hmm. 
And um, I think in like, you know, marketing, sales, whatever your role is, if you're trying to grow your business, you have to understand where culture is going a little bit. Right. And if you look at the fact that, you know, out of Atlanta, a lot of the things um, that that's like big right now is like the whole mumble rap and yeah. like the whole drug culture yeah. is, is like really big. Yeah. But now it's kind of like counterculture almost a little yeah. bit because you got you know, people coming out like J. Cole who's kind of mm-hmm. talking negative about it. But, um, you know, during the early 90s, mid 90s, like gang culture was. Yes. I mean, it was it, you know. Yeah. I didn't even grow up in like a gang territory, but I mean, we wanted to be in the gang. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. mean, because that's what it was about. That was you know? a cool thing to do. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. I mean, I grew up right in the city and I was right in between two different gangs, but my neighborhood wasn't. Yeah. We didn't claim because we didn't have those like people coming yeah. up, right? <laughs> we had households, you know, cats yeah. go home early, but if you want to stay out, you can be involved. Yeah. But gang culture kind of had this whole influence of people to be tougher than what they really. Yes. And, and, and you know, even should have even thought about doing yeah. and to push people in this whole direction that right. I think had a huge input, you know, that had a huge negative influence on people because that, because that was their mentors. Right. So who's your favorite rapper growing up, man? Man, my favorite rapper growing up, um, to be honest, was Method Man. Yeah. Wu-Tang. Yeah. Uh, Wu-Tang guy. Yeah. Oh, I was using Wu-Tang. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I even went through a phase of, uh, <laughs> of Lil Wayne because um, he, he had this one thing called uh, hashtag flow. Yeah. Right. So he would say a verse and then, and kind of hashtag it with the, with word that you know yeah. that it resembled and but why i like them both and and i think that you know you brought you touched on a good point is the power of influence right mm-hmm. like it can influence you so much where you're willing to literally die for something or hurt yourself for something it's wild yeah it's, yeah, it's, it, wild. it's insane and now but that was in a society where you know we're influenced by music we didn't have access to internet we didn't have access to blogs you know and so all we could really refer to was our cassette tape or a CD, my um, yep. CD book, right? Like, this is my life. This is my emotional book, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, now today, we, you know, kids got, everyone has a computer in their phone, right? Everyone has access to their favorite superstar right away on Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, YouTube. And because of this, now there's so many different influences. I think it's going to be hard to really kind of filter out what's real and what's not, you know, um, because in, in my climb, or at least in my journey of trying to create also my brand, I'm, I'm really learning a lot of what actually attracts people. And unfortunately it's not the real content, right? It's, it's not funny. that, yeah, it's weird, but yeah. what actually attracts them is the Gotti watch. It's the big boat, right? It's the, it's, it's the lifestyle. The, it's the lifestyle, right? Yeah. And it tracks. It's right, fine. Yeah. yeah. Right. It still works today. I mean, if you look at music right now, I mean, a lot of times the, the uh, best artists are the most popular artists, I should say, aren't the people who necessarily have the best flows or yeah. have the best insight or yeah. just the most, um, you know, introspective type of guys. I mean, but it's people like Cardi B who are like, oh, yeah. she's just authentic lifestyle yeah. and people like her. And yeah. so therefore you're like, I want, yeah. I want more Cardi, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And, um, you know, in, in, in looking at these different resources now or these these uh, these persons of influences, I think it, it could be our our advantage and it can also be kind of our demise as well. Because if we because it's so easy to get influenced by someone and be a part of their life, if you're following the wrong person, you could be wasting a lot of time in that direction. Wow. You know, because there are a lot of people who sell real expensive courses and it's just, it's just some boo-boo content. Can we just talk about this yeah. a little bit more, man? Yeah. I mean, man, because there's a lot of bad advice out there. Yeah. I mean, um, how are you kind of building up your whole brand a little bit to kind of help kind of counter sure. that? Because that's true. I think 
that stuff these days gets uh, exposed quicker than yeah than it did in the past. Yes, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. People start talking, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you know, um, when I first started uh, doing the vlog, you know, I had to go through the whole challenge of of you know being perceived the wrong way, right? Sure. It brought me back to when I was like twenty years old and thinking everyone's against me. Yeah, I was my worst critic, and so I. But I knew it was a challenge that if I learned to overcome, I can learn how to give more, and if I can give more, I can receive more. Yeah. And so I understood that that was my bridge to, to the end result and I wanted the result. And so in the process of doing it, you know, I, I came out real, just be yourself, be yourself. So I listened to influencers like Gary Vaynerchuk, mm -hmm. right. Um, and just like, hey, be yourself, be genuine, just talk, just do you, right. Don't care about what anybody else thinks. And so when I started doing it, I was very aggressive. Okay. You know, my very first couple battle of battle rap almost. Oh yeah, battle <laughs> rap. You know? And I was just like almost freestyling to the point where I was like just mad at the camera. But that was just me. That was me coming out. And uh, and, and you know, and then it grew. It gradually grew. I became more calm and more comfortable. Mm -hmm. But that was me because it, it. I had a choice. I could have been myself, or I could have been, you know, like a lot of the influencers, unfortunately, that are an option on social media where they're like, Hey, how are you? You know, they're just trying to sell you. They're fake. You could just tell they're artificial. YouTube ads. Yeah. yeah YouTube pool ads. parties. Yeah. Yeah, pool party, like, yeah, on, yeah. Like that's right. not your land. Okay. Bro. Yeah. I get you it. Know, so, so, but you for the weekend, that. I get it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do about 20 videos. <laughs> yeah. And so that can either, either sway you away, kind of mm -hmm. like an objection, right? Like, Oh, I don't like sales anymore because it's objection. Well, kind of those fake artificial influencers are now my objection, right? Now they, that can sway me away and be like, oh, I don't even want to mess with this. This is all BS or whatever. Or I could use it as motivation to say, hey, oh, you you know, you think that's good? Wait till you see this, right? Right Now, wait till you get a gander of this information. Like when you approach it like that, it actually becomes now your kind of your stepping stone to get above and beyond that challenge, right? And so now if I see these influencers uh, will be selling like a thousand dollar course on how to create social media, I'm like, come on, man. Like, like you know that their, their whole intent is just to build up a following, but it's all fake. It's all fake followers. Right. So right. even though they got a million followers, if you look at their followers, their followers are bots. Right. But because we see that they get thousands of likes, we believe that they know what they're talking about. And so that's where the whole misconception of saying, you're just kind of seeing the inf the power of influence. I mean, if the influence of rap music at a time before internet was around, influenced us so much where we were willing to die for a cost for three letters, right? right for a set or a click. And, and it influences that way. Now we have social media that actually influences in a different way where we see more likes, more views or, or that gaudy watch. And we now put our life in their hands because we believe that they have the answers. And what happens is when we invest our time or money in that direction and we find out they didn't have the answer and we're back to square one, we then resent ourselves, right? And now that's what makes me mad is because a lot of people are gonna reach out to them hopes in hopes that they have the answer to help lift them higher. And then they're gonna find out that they're back to square one. They didn't go anywhere except negative in their bank balance. Yep. And now who are they to blame? They're gonna blame themselves. Like, man, I was a sucker. I should have never fell for that. And now when real people, genuine people come in on the game yep. and they have something that can really help that person, they're going to remember them getting burnt, right? Like, oh man, I don't know if I should trust this person. So that person's burnt now. And now they, they're, they don't have the access to virtual mentors. They're not necessarily open anymore to accept mentorship because they were burnt, right? So that's where I think those negative, you know, influences are going. 
you know what's funny, man, is that a lot of lots of these guys I see who charge like a couple thousand bucks uh, for up and coming salespeople because a lot of times you can tell the information is for a newer salesperson. Yeah. And it's like, man, a couple thousand bucks for a 21-year-old, 25-year-old. That's even. a lot. I mean, that's a nice little ticket for some of them, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, so if you come into it, you're, you're ready to kind of get some take-home type of stuff. Yeah. And I haven't bought one, so I, I can't even say exactly what's going to happen. I'm just imagining yeah. what's on the other side of this. Yeah. And it's like, man, um, I doubt a lot of them, based off their content that I see, yeah. is really going to give you something that's going to help you generate business yeah. in your industry. Yeah. I mean, for one, I think it, it makes a lot of sense to... Uh, get a mentor who really understands your circumstances. Yes. You know, I mean, because, um, I mean, I could talk to you about um, doing face-to-face sales. That's what I do, but I'm not in the place to really have a real conversation about getting deals done over the phone strictly. Yep. You, you know what I mean? Like, yep. so I, would, I wouldn't recommend someone come talk to me about that. Yeah. I, I would definitely push it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so like, tell me about exactly your, yeah. I mean, you know, your whole lane that you're kind of yeah. working in. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of my techniques or, or information I share on on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, a lot of it is is really about emotional intelligence. It's yeah. really what I learned, and and I'm very passionate about that because I know it very well, mm-hmm. and I've been able to design my lifestyle that I have now through it. And so, what's different through the content that I give is it's not based on some application. It's not based on some software. It's actually based on the science of understanding how people respond. Mm -hmm. And it's the science of how to orchestrate your communication in a way to persuade the the person who hears it to react in a certain way. And, you know, I do disclosures all the time because the stuff that I do share is very powerful Mm -hmm. and it it can be used for bad purpose. You know, it can be used to, to do harm, but I, you know, I, I trust that everyone who takes the time to listen to these channels, they're not on that wavelength, you know? Um, so, but still, I, I want to make sure that the audience knows that even though I teach you how to manipulate or persuade, it should be for the, for a win-win. It should be for the better of your prospect. It should, because we find ourselves in a position where we need to sell people in order to help them sell them, to help themselves. Right? Yeah. Because, because a lot of, a lot of our audience now has this guard because they have probably been burned or they have probably spent X amount of dollars on this mastermind class or this course but they didn't learn anything from it. And so now they have this defense, kind of this guard, kind of like all of our prospects do. They get this guard when they feel like they're being sold. And so when you get into a position where, you know, like, like me, for example, I, I sell something that can be used in any form of communication. It doesn't even need to be sales. It could be, you know, relationships, right? It could be parenting. Um, but because I understand the game and, 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 I, and I planned it out, I knew that I needed to go very hyper niche focused. And so I, I saw an opening in mortgage banking mm-hmm. that there's no influencer, no sales trainer that's doing it like this, yeah. right? It's just a different level. Everyone again is trying to sell apps or gizmos or softwares. And I'm coming in saying, Hey, you don't need any of that. You just need to know how to properly communicate in order to get that message. Right. And so whether it's in phone or over, or, uh, uh, over, you know, face to face, you're, you're really just understanding empathy, right? You're, you're really understanding all the core components of emotional intelligence to influence them to not only want to do business with you, but tell all their friends and circle to do business with you. That's exactly what you do, bro. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really know how to kind of put the right verbiage behind it, but you really break down empathy. Yeah. And you know, um, that's something I had to learn just through being married for so many years, yeah. quite honest with you. I mean, like being able to take yourself and put it inside somebody else's shoes. Yeah. 
unbiasedly, you, yeah. you know, like not with your own lenses on yeah, or say, yeah. oh, this is based on my experience. I know what you're up to. Like yeah. not with your own like type of selfish wants and needs, but be able to be unbiased and say, all right, let me just understand. Yeah. Just understand, yeah. you know, and, and just understand what and why you want to accomplish blank. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, that's huge though, man. Um, huge. One of your trainings I was listening to on, on, on YouTube, you were talking about how to get over uh, just that, just that very first roadblock a lot of people have whenever they're trying to do, have any type of cold calling. Yep. And what's funny is that I was thinking like, man, you know, I always think that sales is this like art and science mm. type of mix. Yep. Um, where it's like, you know, do you have to know the math behind it? Like this amount of calls, yeah. you know, this type of way, blank. At this time of day, helps me, whatever. That's like the math part. That's the yeah. kind of the science piece. But the art piece is, is the part that it's just kind of, you have to kind of learn through experience. But yep. I feel like what you taught them was a little bit of merge of both. Though. Yeah. I mean, which is rare. Yeah. And that's why I was like, all right, we got to talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because most people don't know how to kind of merge the two right. to where it's like, okay, we're not just going to talk about the actual math part of it. Like, okay, purely gamify it, right? If I hit this button, X, Y, Z, my time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the time I get done punching the 200 times, I'll get two deals. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Opposed to just, I'm just going to persuade someone just for the sake of just kind of trying to woo them into, you know, into this big old lullaby type of conversation. Yeah. Both skills are, are very, are very, um, they're definitely mandatory. But when you get merged the art and science of it, yeah. you got something special happening. Oh, crazy special. Yeah. You know, because um, I grew, I came up in the industry that people were working 14 hour days. You know, they're working 16 hour days. They're on the phone hustling. And what I found was that some of these top producers mingled the two, the yeah. art and the science. And a lot of them just did the science. So they just did the numbers game. And I probably came at it from kind of a lazy standpoint, like, I don't want to work myself to the ground. You know, I want, I want a higher conversion ratio. I want to, whoever I talk to, I want the absolute strongest chance to sell them. Right. You know, so I, I looked at it as almost kind of a shortcut to hack that system and say, okay, well, how can I turn this numbers game? Like, never mind your KPIs. I want to know my conversion, right? I want to improve my conversion. So if you need to speak to a hundred to sell two, I want to learn how to speak to 10 and sell two. Right. You see what I'm saying? Because my whole goal was to like, I don't want to work 12 hours, 14 hours. I want to do everything I can in six to eight. And so it was funny because I came from a very kind of just almost a lazy standpoint. But ultimately, when I when I experienced it and I figured out the system, I naturally then put 14 to 16 hours in because it was it was it was uh, it was addictive mm-hmm. to get that result. And so I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, when you when you learn not only the science, like they're just a numbers game, right? Mm-hmm. Like get your 60 dial outs mm-hmm. and you turn it to the art where it's don't just dial out 60 times, get 10 connections, mm-hmm. right? Actually connect with 10 people. Your, your focus is not on the dial outs. It's the result. And when you, when you add in emotional intelligence or that EQ or that empathy, it, it makes you sound in a different way. Like you're remastered, right? Like you're just sounding a completely different way. A little bit more crisp, a little bit more clear, mm-hmm. a little bit more on their wavelength to a rhythm that they like. You see what I'm saying? And what, what I found was that I naturally had to learn all this coming up because I needed to speak to my elders because they weren't supposed to be taking care of me anyway. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to be living with them anyway. You know, and, and, and to ask that person who is already doing my dad a favor so that I can get a Nintendo or I can get a Nintendo game. I had to come at it in a completely different, you know, approach. 
And so I'm now, and that's been refined. And so literally since a kid, I've been kind of working on that message. And now I get to commingle it in the lingo and language that mortgage bankers relate to. So you cool. see, Yeah. So, so now mortgage bankers don't need to look at a car salesman sales trainer for their tactics, mm-hmm. right? Their wording or their script, or they don't need to buy some expensive software to, to play the science part of it, to play the numbers game of it. I'm, I'm showing you how to actually apply what you already have. You just don't know it yet to the game that you're doing every day, you know, and, 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 and as a result of understanding how to apply it to your game, you can apply it to yourself as well. Man, you know, um, it's a, it's a totally different, it's a total different way to think about having conversations with people. Yep. It's not so you can, you know, put a check in the box anymore. Yep. You're taking it way further. You're yep. like, okay, how can we both end with this place as men, both of yeah. us feel empowered? Yeah. Obviously, you know, as a salesperson, we want to do our jobs, get that spiff, get the rip, get that, get that actual check, yeah. whatever it is for you. And that's great, but you can't, you can't leave with that. Right. right. <laughs> you, exactly. you know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, cause you'll be totally exposed, man. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, man, we are getting close to wrapping up, but I want to know what's, What's coming up for you? And I got one more question coming up too, man. Yeah. So what's like in the pipeline for you? What type of uh, projects are you uh, working away at? So right now, um, my main focus is just really expanding the brand, getting the brand awareness. So I'm hitting up a lot of call centers within California, South OC, where I'm at. Okay. And offering to do a free meeting, like a free sales training. And the information I share is not what's being heard right now. So that's that's my kind of my niche, right? It's mm-hmm. my It's my value. But more importantly, free sales training. Yeah, free sales training. Let me yeah. let me let me give you a gander of this content just because I know that that's going to give me least resistance to bring attention to what's here. Yeah. Right. And and that's really what we need as marketers and sales. We need the attention because without the attention, you can't make a sale anyway. And so I understand that the investment, even though I don't see the immediate return, I need to do what I need to do in order to do what I want to do. And what I want to do is, is affect more people and teach them that this game isn't a grind. It's a game, right? And, and if you look at it as a grind, you're choosing to look at it as a grind. Whereas if you choose to look at it as a game, I'm going to teach you all the codes. I'm going to teach you all the up, up, down, down, slash, right, left, right, all you need. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to yeah, <laughs> show you how to do this game. And, uh, and if, if, if you take the lessons learned, like through my digital course, even though a lot of the lingo and I have it available. It's courses at salesremaster.com. There's a free script for anyone who's in sales. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you don't sell mortgage loans, I have a free sales script that's available at salesremaster.com. And it teaches you how to not only do inbound calls, but also outbound calls. And so it gives you literally the wording of how to approach an outbound call, which is very powerful. Yep. Because a lot Huge. of us hold back from doing outbound calls because we simply don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And this gives you a different perspective on how to view that outbound call. But the courses that I have right now is uh, is primarily for mortgage banking, but if you if you interchange the lingo, so instead of my objection, like my objection on that course is, uh, what's your rate and fee? Well, your objection could be, what's your bottom line or what's your contract term? Or, you know, you just interchange the objection and you still have the same response. You yeah. still have the same approach. And, um, but again, because I need to stay out of focus, I need to expand the brand in the language that I speak before I can expand it to a language that everyone else speaks. True. But I mean, but the still though, man, I mean, um, we have the same conversations when I'm out selling. I mean, it's, yep. I mean, there, everybody has a couple of those, um, gut just, Oh no, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yep. like 
roadblocks, objections, where it's just like, you know, anytime you feel like you're in a pitch, you want to say no, and you're looking for the easiest no and reason to kind of exit, right? Absolutely. I mean, because nobody... Most people don't want to just hear a presentation normally. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're being yeah. pitched all day long. Yeah. You think about how many times you, you see immediate advertisement of a sale, of buy now, you know, of we got the lowest cost, we got the lowest rate. We, we again, empathy, right? Mm-hmm. You're seeing that your prospect, the person that you're trying to sell is being sold to multiple times a day. And so if you come off as a salesman, you're going to sound like those multiple advertisements they see every day. Yeah. And so they learn to mute you out. Kind of like when you walk into a store and you hear that sales rep saying, can I help you find something? You naturally say, no, no, no. no. Yeah. Even no, though you're clueless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't you know, know you're going to need help, right? You're like, no, I'm okay. Because those are triggers. Those are sounds that, that put you in a place where you have to be on guard, right? And the reason why you want to be on guard is because the human nature, our instinct is to protect ourselves. And with that, our instinct is to protect our time and our money. Yep. And so if we need to protect our time, our money and ourselves, one of the dangers is a salesman, right? And so if you present yourself as a salesman rather than a professional or a consultant, then you're already setting yourself up for friction. And so that's what I teach you on these courses. Like, like you know, the new selling is consulting. Consulting is the new selling. It is. Right? It's, it, it, it's, it's not about pitching. It's about collaborating now. Man, all right, so we got to talk about this. I, I was about to wrap it up, man. But I mean, but man, but talk about the importance of having that side by side conversation with your prospects, clients, whoever, and not you know coming at it from a let me close you, yeah, yeah, from yeah. a pitching standpoint. Yeah, yeah. If you don't mind. Yeah, so um, yeah, no worries. So I think that I think the problem and the challenge is with a lot of salesmen, regardless of what industry you work in, whether it's selling cars, selling home loans, or selling gizmos and gadgets. I think the, the, the initial resistance that we all face up front is having this stigma of, of being pushy, of wanting to sell something, being more focused on making a sale. Whereas if we came off in the approach of, hey, how can I actually help you? Let me make sure I'm, I, I can help you save some time. Let me make sure you're in the right place. Imagine that. So if you walked in the, into a store, instead of hearing someone say, you know, um, hey, how, how can I help you? Or can I help you find something? Instead of saying that, because that's going to trigger sales reaction, what if that salesman said, hey, let me make sure you're in the right spot. I'll save you some time. Boom. Now I'm open to talk to this guy. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, where's your blah, blah, blah. That's just that change in that wording. If you were a commission rep and you relied on that one intro as, hey, can I help you find something? Right? That's a sale. Mm-hmm. But if I say, hey, hey, you know what? Let me make sure you're in the right place. Let me help you save some time. What are you looking for? That's a different perspective. Now you're looking at that sales associate as kind of a tour guy, but more importantly, a professional, right? Someone who knows their stuff, who knows exactly where to go. Yeah, a resource. And so I think that, you know, when when it comes down to our sales, the challenge that we have is that we are coming off like that salesman. Like, hey, can I help you find something? We're asking, we're offering, we're not suggesting, and we're not driving. Where if we suggest a solution to something that they're emotionally tied to, which their instinctive reaction is to protect their time and their money, I know this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use it to my advantage to extract the information that I need in order to learn what you will buy. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So oh, you put two and two together and, you, and you're like, okay, well, the challenge of making a sale is me learning the things that they desire, how they see things. Like you said, we have our own lens on our own point of view. Salesmen do also, but more importantly, our, our prospects have this point of view. They have their own lens. And the issue is that with sales today, we're focused on our own lens rather than looking at it through the lens of the others. 
And if we take the time to actually look at it through their lens, we'll see their point of view, we'll see their value, and we'll not waste time on what we don't, what they don't see as value. And a lot of salespeople right now are wasting time on what they don't see as value. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And what, what they believe or the salesman is going in as is they believe that they're giving value by offering a solution or asking if they want to buy, right? And so this sales script that I have online, it's, it's a matter of, of the traditional saying, hey, it's a great day at my company. I just want to see if you're in the market to refinance, <laughs> right? That's how normal cold call sounds. Sure. Whereas it's like, a great day at my company. Yeah, it's so true though, right? It's very true. It's <laughs> yeah, so true. Yeah. You're just like, man, how are you doing this right now? Yeah, right, right. But again, that's because it's science and it's not art. Yep. You know, it's more numbers game. Like someone's bound to say, yeah, I am in the market, but how many times are you going to get shot down? Whereas if you came through and said, hey, my name is Daniel, just, just a quick notice, I'm sending over a complimentary report. It's going to your email now. It's actually going to give you some insight on the recent developments in your area. It's allowing you to see how much that house sold for mm-hmm. down the street. And it's going to tell you the rating of your school system. So, you know, if you got kids in the school district, that's your thing. You know, they'll have it all there. Anyways, it's on its way. You know, it's going to go to your Gmail account. Of course, they're going to agree with it, right? Because how can you stop something that's on its way? Right. And then, and then before you let them go, or you assume that they assume that you're going to let them go, say, hey, you know, while I got you on the phone, let me go and tailor it out a little bit. Let me make sure it's actually worth your time and viewing. And now, <laughs> nah, nah, I still haven't showed up yet, man. It's all good, though, but we're almost done, you know? Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> now, you, good. Yeah, now you have their attention. Now you have you have their interests, right? Yeah. And that's really what salesmen do is just continue creating that curiosity, learn to give that movie trailer experience where I need to know what happens next. And the consumer or your movie prospect, trailer experience. Yeah, All right, the, we gotta go tweet that. Yeah, <laughs> the consumer or the prospect is not gonna want to know what happens next if they believe they're going into a sales environment. If they believe they're going to a pitch table, mm-hmm. you know. So if you think every time you were at a pitch table and you knew you were being pitched, you were on guard. Of course, you know you didn't. Rightfully want. so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We all should because again, that's our human instinct. This is human nature protecting ourselves, right? Protecting our time and our money. And so we naturally defend ourselves and we are more inclined to say, let me think about it rather than saying, yeah, you know what? You're right. Let's do this. Well, how do I get that response and how I, how, what I've learned in order to get that kind of response is you need to communicate with them on a whole nother level. You need to sound completely different and you need to trigger reactions and emotions that they view at as value that they need right away. Right. And if you could do it masterfully, if you could do it creatively, like the way I share with you at Sales Remastered on, on YouTube or Facebook, you're not only going to find least resistance, but you're going to be like, damn, I could have done this the entire time. I mean, dude, <laughs> I mean, but dude, you went right back to what I really think is, it really sums up how you, how you sell, man, is empathy, though. I mean, you, because not only were you thinking about, okay, let me take my own lenses off, right? And my own previous negative experiences. You flipped it to say, let me understand what the customer is also experiencing. Yes. And they've walked into numerous retail outlets and said, can it help you means, can I sell you? Yep. I know that shit. Yep, <laughs> right? Yep, yep, right? Yep. So let me kind of flip it for them as well. Yep. So I can show them that I'm going to bring something different to the actual table. Yes. I always use the analogy. Yeah. That, you know, we're married. I've been married for five years uh, yesterday. Congratulations, you know, man. Thank you, man. Yeah, appreciate big, you big too. Move. Yeah, and uh, and being you know before we were married we were also in the in the courting game right it's probably yeah. how we got our spouse yeah. and, and the way and if you remember like when you were in the dating scene 
like how you would get a girl's attention or how you really courted them was acting like you didn't even notice them, right? Like you didn't even want them, right? Like they weren't there because it was that, that attraction because you looked different. Every yep. guy was giving them the attention. Mm-hmm. Every guy was trying to sell them that one thing mm-hmm. where we came off different. We acted like they weren't even there. Right. Now they gravitated towards us. And it's similar to that. You know, I, I use that reference because it is that way where it's like, you know, you got to stop pushing out this message and be all about them. Like, how can I how can I attract their interests and how I can attract their interests is not being like everyone else, mm-hmm. you know, being that one person that that's different and you want to learn more. You know, man, you know, it's crazy how much um, I mean, even though people like to say it's just business and, you know, you have to kind of break down things right to the hard numbers and facts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's to me, I'm like, yeah, right, man. I mean, like so much of this is like a relationship, yeah. a relational type of experience. Yeah. Then it's more so like a harder X's and O's type of setup. Yeah. And um, when you look at just how you go about treating people just through and through, yeah. like, you know, whether you're dating, courting, married, or just me and you saying what's up, like, hey, what are you up to? Yeah. You know, like that whole just coming into it with. I'm not expecting this of yeah. you. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I'm just curious yeah. to see what, to kind of see what you're doing. Exactly. And that's it. You know yeah. what I mean? And, exactly. and when you have that type of cap on mm-hmm. as a straight salesperson, mm-hmm. it's, it's a game changer. Different. It's way different. I mean, like the type of conversations after my nose mm-hmm. blow me away. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. it's not even about like, okay, I closed the deal. That means, of course, I'm trying to close. Yeah, yeah. Let's not get that twisted. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's definitely a piece of what I'm up to. But with that, I I really enjoy, even after we get to that point of, you know what, what I'm doing is not good for you yep. or vice versa. It's not a good fit right now, yep. but we're still at a good yes. place. You know what yes. I mean? We're yes. like, I still want to have lunch. I still want to wake yep. up. I still want to be a support to you and whatever you're up to. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we all should approach it that way because even if you can't flip that person now, it yeah. doesn't mean that that person is just gone. You right? never it's know like, what happens. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. could either flip them next time or that person can introduce you to a network that just needs your service. Yeah. But because you left on the good note, whereas if you go in with that dated uh, strategy of just trying to close, 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 yeah. right, that ABC mentality, then you're, you're going to give yourself an impression that no one wants to, no one wants to mess with you anymore. Right. Like all you want to do is push, push your product. But if it comes from a genuine, from a genuine center where you're like, hey, let me help you save some time. Let me make sure you're in the right place. I'm going to take care. Of you. Oh, doesn't look like I take care of you now, but I pointed you in the right direction. They still view you as a resource. And that's your foot in to get referral business. I think I'm going to call this one empathy versus ego, man. I mean, because I think so many salespeople struggle with this. And I know it's something I struggle with even, even right now. But I, I know it's the actual game changer when it yep. comes to really growing yep. in sales. All right. I got this question. I'll, I really ask everybody. It's called the triple G model. Uh, I try to live by this and it's growth, grit, and give. Um, if you had to put those in like order just for yourself, how would you put them in order? Growth, grit, and give. I'm sure. Kind of why. I would actually put it in reverse. Okay. Right. So in order to give, I need to have the grit. And in order to have the grit, I need to be able to grow. Mm. Right. So in other words, our end result is we want to give, whether we want to give our bank balance or we want to give our family or we want to give the surroundings to our kids. At the end of the day, it really is, is how do I get to a point where I can give? And without understanding that grit plays a role, you're never going to grow to be able to give. So if grit becomes your bridge to give, you need to grow and through, and through grit is how you grow. So, so growth, growth is your first step. 
grit is the actual action that gets you to that give. Mm. That's how I would look at it. I believe because the hardest thing though is to take that first step. And that first step is growth. And why growth is the hardest thing to do is because growth is something that's different from our normal sequence of events that we that we're so comfortable in. And if we become so comfortable where we are, we're not growing, mm. right? But if we if we have the courage or at least the 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 kind of the the strength or the hustle or the mindset to take that step to grow, meaning that you're doing something that you're not familiar with, that seems out of reach, that seems is probably going to be a challenge and it actually scares you, that's a good sign, right? As long as you're not hurting nobody. Sure. Right. That's a real good sign that that's something that's going to help you grow. But but you're not going to grow until you continuously do it. And that's where grit comes in. You got to go through the grind. You're going to be doubted. You're, you're going to hear naysayers. Your mind's going to get in your way. Your, your, your own internal dialogue is really going to mess with you because you're going to start questioning yourself. Like, am I supposed to do this? Was mm-hmm. I meant for this? No one sees it. And if you, if you continuously push through that grind, that in itself is the grit. That in itself is your bridge to get to that point of giving. And now when, when, and what's funny is that through the grit and through the process, you're actually giving. <laughs> See? 100%. So that's how I put it. Man, you know, um, most people kind of flip it the other direction, but I think that uh, I really like what you just said there, man. Yeah. So tell everybody just kind of how to find you and then we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Man. Yeah, definitely. So how you find me is you can just search. I mean, you can literally Google hashtag sales remaster. That's one word. Um, if you go to any of the major social media platforms, the, the, the handle is at sales remastered. Majority of my audience find my videos helpful to listen to in the morning. And that's why I have the Breakfast of Champions. It's on a different level, this Breakfast of Champions episode, because I believe that the content that I share is beyond just selling, is beyond just negotiating. It really does come down to selling ourselves on developing the right habits that creates the mindset in order to grow grit and give. You yeah. see what I'm saying? In order, in order for us to reach those levels. So how you can find me is you can go to salesremaster.com at the bottom of, of the website or the homepage has all the media channels, or you can just open up your social media app that you're most on and search hashtag sales remastered in the search bar. You find me. Dude, I really, really do appreciate this whole conversation. Empathy is one of the biggest things I pulled away from it, man. Um, and you know what? Everybody should definitely go to your website, download the actual free resource that you already have there yeah. for them. Yeah. Why not? I mean, because so many of us are afraid of cold, of, of, afraid of just getting out there, picking up the phone, having that awkward conversation. Yeah. And I think you could probably help them make it a little bit less, a less uh, treacherous, at least anyway. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I'm going I'm to I'm help you change it to a game. Much appreciate your time, though, Daniel, man. Yeah, thanks for having coming me, through, man. man. It, was, it was fun chopping it up. And, and I definitely live and, and eat in this type of community. And I think that hustle is something that's really going to set you apart. But the definition of hustle today is to do what you need to do in order to do what you want to do. And I appreciate you for putting this info out there because it helps us do that, dude. Hey, man, look, I'm just trying to get better too, man. So, you know, I feel like I'm being selfish with it, but hopefully everybody else can kind of glean some jewels away as well. (laughs) Yes, sir. Dude, much appreciated, brother. Thank you, man. Until next time. That's it. And so that's a wrap, man. Great conversation. There's so much to 
dissect and pull away from this, but I'll save that for a later episode. And if you stayed in this long, congratulations. Thank you so much for hanging in there. I am going to be in Chicago this week. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. Shoot me a DM. Let me know if you're in the city. Love to link up with you. I'm always looking to uh, meet good people. So I'm out there for the NBA Combine week. So I'm really pumped to be out in Chicago. It's one of my top top three favorite cities. Um, but with that said, I'm out. And thank you so much for tuning back into the Real Value Exchange, where we turn mere transactions into empowering moments.